Hello fellow adventurers and welcome back to the Nerd Lab, where we transform our gaming passion into incredible game designs and learn how to nerd like a boss. My name is Marvin and I'm an ambitious game designer on my quest to develop a cooperative fantasy card game. For this podcast, my vision is to take you with me on this exciting journey. Together we will explore the secrets of different game mechanics and reach the next level as a game designer. Today I have a slightly different show again. After I was at Essen Spiel 2019 last week, I wanted to share my experience of that unique trade fair with you today. There were so many impressions, it really took me a few days to process all of them, but now I'm ready to share my highlights with you. First of all, a few numbers about the fair. This year, the fair took place for the 37th time, and the organizers I talked to during the fair told me that they have the feeling that there were even more visitors this year than in the last years. And their feeling was correct. Essen Spiel is the world's largest gaming fair, which uh, this year for the first time had more than 200,000 visitors. Just as a reference, last year there were something around 180,000 people. So um, I already talked about the growth rate in the industry and it pretty much is the same with the fair where 20% more people are visiting this year than the last years. And the same is true about new games because um, more than 1,500 new games were presented at the fair um, on an area of about 80,000 square meters. And according to the trade fair operators, this year were an extremely large number of expert games among them. Um, so games with a higher complexity, which are aimed at experienced players. The exhibitors were distributed in six different halls, which were also thematically subdivided, at least to some degree. For example, there was a hall um, all around the topic of tabletop gaming with Warhammer as a flagship company in the middle of the hall. Um, and there was another hall for um, all the children games and family games, for example. As you can probably imagine from the number of visitors I just told you, the fair was really crowded. We were there on Saturday, probably the fullest day of um, them all, and you could tell that immediately. We parked on a parking lot number 10, um, far away from the fair, um, directly at the motorway. But even this parking lot was already quite full when we arrived. And in the shuttle bus to the fair, we realized then that it would become a very crowded day with many, many people around us. After we spent almost half an hour in the traffic jam with our shuttle bus, uh, we arrived at the fair and made it pretty much uh, just in time um, to be there when the doors opened. At the fair itself, it also was really crowded, but it wasn't as if there were extremely long queues everywhere. Um, at most booths, you had to wait until the table was free, but that usually only took 15 minutes or so until uh, the current game that someone was playing was over. Then uh, that is actually the good thing about the fair. It's not only about watching or buying games, you can also really try them out on site. And my goal was to test a lot of games, um, especially the ones I had on my list for quite a while. So I wasn't really too much into all the new shiny games. Um, I really wanted to play some of the um, older games that um, I hadn't had the chance before to play them. 
In the end, I was able to play seven different games at the fair um, at that day, and I'm quite satisfied with that because um, the most of the games were really good, and playing seven games on a day is um, it's quite a number. Uh, and playing so many games um, was only possible because the booth had really good staff who explained the rules, and because we just played a few rounds of each of the games and didn't finish them. It helped a lot to get the games explained by someone um, so we were able to start quickly and this was really an, a welcome alternative to um, always having to read the rules like you have to do that at home and while playing i was more interested in trying out games and collecting the ideas um, and not so much about the whole experience from the game And I think this is an attitude that you should take there because of the volume and the infinite number of impressions and the noise around you. It's really hard to create the same kind of atmosphere during a game um, that you know from your kitchen table at home. So the gaming experience is different and you shouldn't go to the fair with the attitude of playing a comfortable session um, with beer and chips, for example. Okay, then let's talk a little bit about the games that we were able to play at the fair. As I mentioned, most of them weren't all the latest games on the market, but rather some games that I had already longer on my list. We started in Hall 6 and probably the third or fourth uh, exhibitor we passed was the Dark Souls Games Booth. And in the end, I have to say they had probably the most elegant way of testing their card game. They had a standing table where you could play one or two rounds of the game and um, a teacher who quickly explained the rules. Within 10 minutes we were able to get a nice overview of the game. From my perspective each booth should have a standing table with a predefined board state to explain the game in less than 10 minutes. I know it is a different experience than building your entire deck on your own and experiencing the whole story and so forth. But for me, that was exactly what I was looking for. Understanding the game, see if some of the mechanics are interesting enough for me and my own designs to um, dive deeper into the game later on. The Dark Souls card game is um, a cooperative game for one to four players. We tried it with two players and each player starts with a hero and a starter deck for that hero. In our case, we played two or three rounds of the game with a knight and a sorcerer. Um, the player decks contain different cards such as weapons, armor and a lot of stamina cards. Uh, more on that stamina cards in a second. This deck can of course evolve over time as you find more treasure and exchange the souls of your enemies for new stamina cards. And um, the deck also represents the character's health, so you can more or less draw as many cards as you want, but you really have to consider um, not to die. Um, in the beginning we then placed our hero card on a crit-based combat area um, and then played a short encounter against some enemies. In order to use an equipment card to perform an attack, you must discard one or more stamina cards. Uh, the cost for the attack or defense are specified on the equipment card. The stamina cards come in four different kinds, um, identified by large icons on the cards. Uh, and the four types are dexterity, faith, intelligence and strength. Uh, 
Um, and to perform an action, you simply had to discard an amount of stamina equal to the action's stamina cost, and then you resolve the action. Sometimes the equipment was lost when you used it, and sometimes um, it could be used more than once, so it stayed on the table. We only played a few rounds, so I cannot really say too much about the combat system itself, but for me it felt okay, uh, but it wasn't something special that really stood out. One problem I had with it was that all the actions felt exactly the same way. Um, a strike with a sword felt exactly the same like casting a spell, um, because all attack and defense types were initiated by discarding cards. So it felt always you, you performed the same type of action. You always had to discard cards from your hand. Um, I would have preferred to see some kind of different mechanics here for the different attack types. What I liked was how the opponents behaved, um, even if we just saw only a little bit of that. When the enemies activate, they each perform the action shown on their card, which is usually um, attacking a single character on a specific slot on the grid. That means their behavior is somehow pre-programmed and printed on the card. However, if there is no character in that exact space that they are targeting, the enemy attacks the character with the highest taunt value in the target row. And if there are no characters in that row, the enemy attacks the character with the highest taunt value in the other row. There are only two rows in the game. That means they always attack someone and you can move your heroes accordingly to protect weaker heroes. Um, and they were also different attack types such as heavy attack, skilled, uh, precise or magical attacks. And some enemies are weaker against some specific attack types, um, but that wasn't really of any meaning in our test run. But I'm sure it um, it is important for the game if you play the entire game. So, as a summary, I would say the game was fun to play and I would like to play it again. I really like the, um, the behavior of the enemies. Um, I know they were pre predefined and really deterministic, but that was that created some kind of not really a puzzle, but strategic um, decisions that you need to take in order to um, kill the enemies with the least amount of resources. So without the least amount of cards from your deck. So this was um, was interesting and I think the, the game has potential and I was looking for games with a, a combat on a crit-based system anyway. So I was quite happy to, to find one um, at the three, uh, third or fourth uh, uh, booth I went by. The game you played next was Vampire the Eternal Struggle, a collectible card game from Richard Garfield um, from 1994. No one of us had ever played the game before. I guess it was some kind of new expansion we played, but since it was the first time of us uh, for us to play the game at all, it didn't really matter. A nice guy started to explain the rules and I immediately realized how complex the game is. We had immense problems to understand the game and for every card we wanted to play we had to ask our teacher if this is a move that is allowed or not. We missed triggers on the stack and possibilities to play reaction cards. Um, since every one of us has at least 20 years of Magic the Gathering experience, I really was surprised how long it took us to understand the core mechanics of the game. I just looked up the weight rating of the game on BoardGameGeek 
and was surprised that it is only rated with 3.35 of 5, which is only a medium rating. The game was recommended to me several times now, for example for its twist on multiplayer rules. We played some kind of left attack where your left neighbor is your prey and your right neighbor is your predator. And the nice twist that we experienced during the game was the fact that you can more or less redirect an attack. That means the predator is not attacking you as he intended, but your prey instead, which is beneficial for you. In addition to that, the game also has some political votes in it, um, but we didn't really see them during our test match. We got our decks as a gift and I'm sure we will play the game again at home, um, but I'm still afraid um, of the rules because the complexity is quite high of the game and um, yeah, now we do not have a teacher anymore and have to uh, read the rules on our own again. One reason why I think the game is so complicated is because of its icons. There are a lot of icons on these cards. I think there are at least 7, 8, 9, 10 icons on each card. And they are not distinct enough. They all look pretty much the same. They are only black and white. They have the same form. They do not use really different colors. So it is really difficult to to see what kind of um, icon is represented on, on, on each card. In the future, I'm pretty sure I will um, try to make an episode on how to design icons for your games. But I'm not an expert on that, so I would probably need need an, uh, an expert um, to do an interview, but um, this is a topic I will dive e deeper into in the future. What I really liked about the game was um, how it handled the, the resources, because you had a, a, a pool of blood tokens and you needed those blood tokens to, um, to summon one of your, um, your vampires, and then these tokens were not lost they became the life of your um, of your vampire and you always had to um, to manage those blood tokens they went from the pool to your uh, personal pool to the um, on the vampire cards and it fe felt quite right how that was implemented so not more to say about the game at the moment i will have to play it more before i can do a deep dive analysis on it but um, i'm sure we will play it in our gaming group once we had the time to read through the entire rules. The third game we played was um, a new expansion of the deck building game Ascension. The expansion is called Skulls and Sails and it adds ship um, and raiding to the core game. It felt more like a pirate themed um, expansion. We played a short round and um, yeah, we lost with a relative large distance against our teacher. The game was fun, but a little bit too easy for my personal taste. It only has a weight of uh, 2 on Board Game Geek, uh, which isn't bad, but I prefer a bit more complexity in my deck builders. Ascension itself is a pretty simple deck builder. You um, acquire cards from a marketplace, and these cards grant you victory points, which in the end um, decide who wins the game. The expansion adds these little ships which you can use to move around the map to get some advantage. Um, and you get this advantage if you are next to a card you want to buy from the marketplace um, because you anchor next to that card. And anchor is also the keyword that you were looking for. This felt a little bit, well, unnatural 
and to me and it, it felt like it was attached to the game and not really deeply um, integrated in the core game rules and I didn't really inter it didn't really interact too too well with the rest of the game um, however it felt like a smooth deck builder but I didn't really um, like the theme of moving around with the ships here so um, Ascension itself is a pretty good game and I'm pretty sure that the other expansions are good but I wasn't too impressed from the um, from the ships. There was, for example, a mechanic called raiding, in which you were able to um, steal treasure from one of your opponents. Um, while this is thematic and it definitely fits to the game, I was missing some kind of possibility to protect against it as a player. So there was nothing you can do about it. If you had um, the most treasure in the game, you typically got raided from all the other players. And, well, I would have uh, loved at least some kind of possibility um, to do something against it. For example, building a strong armada of ships or something like that. But, um, yeah, there wasn't any. After the game, we took a bit of a break. We had some lunch um, We saw Tom Vessel and had the possibility to talk to um, Isaac Childress, the designer of Gloomhaven, who had already his appearance on the podcast and yeah, probably will be a guest in the future again. And then we moved on to the next game. Um, and that game was Sorcerer from White Wizard Games. And I really liked the game. So we played a two-player game which was a pity we would have loved to play with three or four players, but um, I can see why they prepared the two-player variants of the game um, so that more different people were able to try out the game. At the start of the game, we had to build our own decks. Um, that sounds complex um, if you think about magic, for example, but it was actually quite easy. Each player was building a unique sorcerer deck by combining one of the four available character decks with one of the four lineage decks and one of the four domain decks. Each pile came with 10 different cards, um, which added up to a 30-card deck. Um, the character cards determine who you are. The lineage cards represent the style of magic you use and the domain deck determines the training you had and the kind of followers you have. Each of the three decks also comes with a skill card that you place in front of you. They are always active. Um, and these skill cards give you special abilities that you can use during the game. Together, your skill cards also show your full character name, which is kind of neat. Um, for example, you might be Ariaspes, the demonologist of the Outcast Sanctuary. The game plays over several rounds and each round um, players alternate by spending actions. Um, as far as I remember, we had six or seven actions per round. Um, and what I really, really liked is the way you can use those actions. Um, you can use an action to play a spell, for example. You can use an action to draw a card. Or you can use the action to gain new energy, which is um, more or less mana that you need to activate um, spells and cast spells um, and to play minions. Um, or you could play a minion, for example, with an action. And I really enjoyed having the freedom to choose what I want to do with my turn. 
Um, Arkham Horror, the card game, has a similar model and I like these action-based systems very much. The game also comes with three different battlefields um, and when you play a minion you must decide on which battlefield you want to play it. Um, it will only be able to fight and use abilities in that specific battlefield and if you later decide you need it somewhere else you can spend an action to move it um, from one battlefield to the neighbor battlefield. After all players then have uh, performed their actions the minions fight. Um, and they fight by rolling battle dice equal to their um, attack value. And the dice show the amount of hits and wounds that you do to your opponents. Um, an attacking minion thereby can damage or destroy other minions. And um, if there are no minions, they can conquer the battlefield. And if you conquer two of the three battlefields, you win the game. The game was very tactical because you always had to react on what your opponent was doing you were able to enchant your minions you were able to enchant the minions of your of the opponent um, and you really had to decide which kind of battlefield you want to put your minions on do you want to try to conquer a battlefield that is empty at the moment or do you want to protect um, the battlefield your opponent has deployed um, his minions to it was really nice it felt very good and it was by far my best gaming experience on the entire trade show. The reason for that is probably because the game uses all of the aspects I really like about gaming. Um, action selection, um, cards, dice um, and had a lot of tactical depth. After that we played the newest expansion of Seven Wonders. Um, Seven Wonders Armada um, and the game adds also ships to the game. I don't know why so many game expansions are currently adding ships to the game. I, I have no clue. Maybe that was just a coincidence. But I also didn't like the expansion too much. Maybe I'm just not the the sea ship armada guy. I don't know. Um, in Seven Wonders, the, the armada expansion adds a new naval board to the game um, on which you... Um, manage different kind of ships uh, a red one a green one a yellow one and a blue one and every time you play one of your cards you can spend resources um, to move that respective ship forwards for example if you play a green card you can um, spend i don't know um, some gold and um, wood to move your green ship a little bit forward um, and yes these um Ships add a lot of uh, additional interaction between the players to the game, which is actually not a bad thing, but um, I don't know. I, I didn't really think it is necessary to add them to the game. It adds um, quite a bit of complexity and um, the games last longer. Um, so that wasn't exactly what I was looking for at the um fair there to to play a longer game but maybe it's um, exactly what you are looking for at home so that could be could be a good thing for people that are really experienced with the game and want to have a new experience um, added to the game i really like the balance um, of the core game and that it is quite easy to teach to um, absolute beginners but also has a lot of depth for um, for more experienced players um, and i really love that there are multiple ways of um, 
scoring victory points and to win the game at the end. With the expansion, um, a lot of interaction is added. Um, this comes with a bit of complexity as well and it gives you new tactics and new strategic decisions which um, at the end is not really what is needed when you play the game for the first time. So for beginners, I would recommend to play the, the core game. Um, but if you are experienced, as I said, um, you might enjoy the new tactics and strategic decisions that you can um, add with Armada to the game. But I personally um, prefer to add that uh, additional tactics and complexity to, um, to the cards that are drafted and not to a separate board that you have to manage but that is only my personal impression i have seen um, a lot of good reviews for this expansion as well unfortunately we were not able to finish our game so i wasn't able to see how the um, ships and the armada really um, affected the scoring at the end of the game so maybe my um, my review here is not um, does not represent a full blown experience of the entire expansion so just to just to note that we had to leave because we um, had an appointment with another game we were able to gather one of the few slots uh, for a game from Mistwall, and this was at a specific time slot so when we entered the the fair we walked by the booth of this company of this company which was at hall six and there were these incredible good-looking RPG tabletop hybrid game. Um, and we um, were asked if we want to um, make an appointment for a slot in the evening. And we, of course, did. And then we were able to play a four-player round um, of this game afterwards. But that was also the reason why we had to leave from, um, from the Seven Wonders game. I don't actually know the name of the game we played. I know that it's produced by Mistwall, um, a Spanish company, but um, I can't remember the name or if they even told us the name. What was special about the game was that there was a large TV in the middle of the table and everyone chose a character represented by a small miniature. And um, then we played... A little role-playing game on that TV by placing our miniatures on the TV and the TV recognized the miniatures and there was a, a small crit-based system on the TV and a story that was uh, driven forwards by us moving um, on the table. So it felt a little bit like playing Baldur's Gate on um, with real miniatures um, that was digitally supported. And everyone also had um, his player um, mad with uh, different cards, for example, and some small coins representing mana potions and um, health potions and other things. And when it was your turn, you um, had to put those cards on the on the TV or these coins on the TV to determine your action that your hero should um, perform. And the TV recognized that this, for example, was a fireball card. And then you had to choose um, the targets and the opponents by pressing them a little bit um, down on the TV. And um, then the action was performed and um, an animated fireball was uh, shown on the TV. It felt really great. I really loved the experience because there was sound support and um, 
every player was able to um, read the story in his own pace because it was shown in the corner of the TV for each of the four players and you were able to to press forward whenever you are you were ready this was really well implemented um, but you could see that it all all of the game was a, was a prototype it was still a prototype there were some some minor bugs here and there but the experience felt really really good um, and we we left a lot of um, constructive feedback and um, i'm really looking forward to to see more of these kind of games in the future because um, <laughs> i'm just a fan of uh, of digital games as and board games alike and i'm i'm still waiting for a good implementation that marries the best parts of both um, of both worlds I have no clue what this game actually will cost at the end and if you have to buy the entire system or if you can use um, your own tablet or um, PC to play it. I have no clue um, and I don't know when the game will be on Kickstarter um, but if you're interested you should probably um, visit the um, website of Mistwall because um, yeah, the game looked really promising for me. And that was also the last game we played on the fair. And um, then we went back home to the apartment we rented for, for this night and played two rounds of uh, a magic draft um, until uh, late in the night. So as a conclusion, I can say we had a lot of fun at the um, Essen Spiel 2019, but there were also some things which I didn't like too much um, first of all there are many many people uh, and a lot of impressions and this can be very overwhelming so um, yeah I next time I, I would probably go earlier um, so on Thursday maybe maybe I, <laughs> at least I have the hope that there would be um, less people running around there um, something else that I really didn't understand is um, the price of the games that you were able to buy there. I came to the fair with the um, intention to buy three or four very specific games. I knew exactly which games I wanted to buy, but all of them were more expensive um, than in the internet. That really surprised me. I was thinking that there was a, um, a special discount for the fair or at least some additional bonus content that I would get. Um, But neither was the case and so I didn't buy the games. Um, someone told me afterwards that we in Germany have um, probably the best market for for board games. Um, that means that in other countries some of the games are not even available um, to buy or are more much more expensive to buy. So maybe this is something that is special for Germany that our games are cheaper here in the internet but um, yeah I was um, at least surprised and that was the reason why I didn't buy any games there. Another thing that wasn't too great was um, that we were not able to experience the whole um, fair with our entire group. We went there with seven people and yeah, it wasn't possible to play anything together. Um, yeah, probably this was not, um, not a surprise at all. Um, but we separated in the beginning and yeah, we, we see each other sometimes during the day, but we didn't really had a, had an experience, um, all together. Nevertheless, we had a lot of fun doing that, uh, one day. For the next year, I plan to go there um, maybe two or three days to 
be able to play more games and to be able to talk to more people. I want to um, talk to more of the designers that are there. I want to attend um, to the um, panels a little bit more and stuff like that um, I wasn't able to do this year. So that's it for um, the show today. It was a different one. I wanted to share this experience with all of you. And next week we will be back to our normal schedule with an interview or a deep dive into a game mechanic. I hope you enjoyed this kind of um, show today as well. And um, maybe if you have been to Essen as well or uh, want to share one of your um, fair experiences, drop me a line of email. I would love to talk about it. If you haven't done yet, I would also very much appreciate if you could take one or two minutes to um, send me a short um, review on iTunes for the show and leave a rating there. That would be great for others to find this show as well and for me to grow my audience. So until next week, uh, keep shooting for the moon and nerd like a boss. Goodbye, everyone. Goodbye, everyone.